Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show. But I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. One of the really cool parts about being able to have this podcast and to be able to have conversations with amazing human beings is that sometimes I get to interview people who my friends will reach out to and be like, you have to talk to this guy. And that's very much what happened in today's conversation with Michael Roderick, who Michael went from a high school teacher to Broadway producer in less than two years and created an amazing network and community of people in New York City through his compassion, his truth, his empathy and leadership. And he decided to build working or networking and workshops for people in a way that would help make their lives better. And Michael and I really connected in this conversation and I was excited to share it with you guys because, you know, I think about all the time, like every single day, I think about like, what does leadership mean? What does it mean to be the person who is willing to put it on the line and create the change in your world and in the life that you want to have? And in this conversation, Michael's going to not only dive into a lot of the tools that he's used to be an effective leader, but also many of the tools that he's used to get over his own fears about stepping into success and building out a network of people that he now calls community, not to mention that he writes a public blog post every day day, which I resonated with a lot. As you know, putting out 365 episodes a year of Think Broken, I was like, oh, 
That makes sense to me. So I'm very excited to have this conversation with Michael. I know you're going to get a ton of value from it. And without further ado, my friends, let's get into the show. You're listening to the Think Unbroken podcast, where our mission is to give you the tools to heal, overcome the past, get unstuck, and become the hero of your own story. I'm your host, Michael Unbroken, author, speaker, coach, and advocate for adult survivors of childhood trauma. It's our mission to end generational trauma in our lifetime through education and information. Thank you so much for being here, being a member of the Unbroken Nation, and learning how to become unbroken. Please do me a favor. It would mean the world to me if you take 30 seconds, leave a review for the show on iTunes so that other people can find this information and check out our YouTube channel if you just search Think Unbroken. Thank you for being here. We'll see you in the show. Hey, what's up, Broken Nation? Hope that you're doing well wherever you are in the world today. I'm very excited to be back with you with another episode with my friend, Michael Roderick, who is the CEO of Small Pond Enterprises, which helps thoughtful givers become thought leaders. I love this topic. I love this conversation. Michael, my friend, what is going on in your world today? Uh, it's been a uh, real, I'm in New York, uh, so it's uh, a lot colder <laughs> than, uh, than, than it's been, uh, uh, that it's been in a while, which has been, uh, which has been pretty wild. And I've got two, uh, two little girls and uh, one of them is off to uh, is off to school is at uh, kindergarten and the other one is uh, the, the other one is home and uh, potty training. So uh, lots of uh, lots of exciting stuff. <laughs> yeah, sounds like it. that's dad life for sure. And, and yeah. in that you're still being the CEO of a company and running your own business. And I, I think one yeah. of the things, you know, people kind of get caught up in these days is the idea that once they have kids, they can't still follow their dreams. How is it that you've been able to kind of navigate those two worlds? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think it ultimately comes down to the the aspect of your planning and sort of your thought around where where is your time going to sort of land, right? So for me, I have a lot of conversations with my wife about when are the times when I am working and doing interviews like this and having, you know, experiences that are very sort of work oriented? And when are the times when I am, in essence, really just kind of on dad duty, right? And I just, you know, I'm, I'm either watching the girls or, or taking care of something that is sort of home, uh, you know, home oriented. So I think really, the the balance aspect comes from this place of saying what is it that i need to accomplish what is it that needs it needs to happen who else is involved in making that in making that decision and then coordinating the coordinating the two lives the two schedules uh that uh that you end up dealing with and in that like what role does communication really play there? Mm. It's it is of the utmost importance because it's very easy as an entrepreneur to get into a place where you are so focused on starting, you know, building your business, doing all of these different projects that it's very easy for you to forget that there's somebody on the other side of that equation right? There's somebody on the other side of that door every time that you're, you know, you're doing that work. So the communication piece is absolutely 100% key. My, my wife and I, we have a calendar 
a, like a little whiteboard uh, right by the refrigerator where I'm able to write when am I, you know, when am I not available? When am I doing an interview? When am I out, like physically out of the house or when am I traveling? And every week we update that. Every week we look and we say, okay, what are our commitments on sort of both sides? Uh, so that it's there, it's it's right in front of us. And even then, we still have times where in the evening we'll touch base with each other and be like, okay, did you see the calendar? Like, did you see like this is what's coming up? Because you know, when you're a parent, it's uh, there's lots of things that that pop up that you might forget about. There's lots of things that are going on, so you're not always thinking about what's happening for. for sort of the rest of the day. So there's a lot of that touching base and just basically being like, hey, uh, tomorrow this is going to happen. I know it's on the calendar, but I just wanted to double check to know that you're you're aware of it and you're able to, you know, watch watch the girls during this time or you're able to take care of this. And and that's on both sides. And in that, you know, I think, well, I know there's a lot of people right now who are listening who maybe small business owners or, you know, they're, they're th thinking about the side hustle thing and they're trying to step into creating something different in their life. So much about what Think Unbroken is, is about getting this place in life where you're living it on your terms. And I think the, the greatest sense of freedom in humanity right now is doing your own thing and not having to be told what to do by a boss or a corporation every single day. And, and that doesn't mean, of course, you don't have responsibilities and things of that nature, but there's an immense sense of freedom that comes along with that. And, and when you're in this place where you want to step into your dream, but there's fear, there's hesitancy, there's, you know, am I going to be able to do it? H how do you start to do that in a way that you can create a, a framework of really doing, right? Because I think so often we talk about this idea of we have these dreams and, and yet we, we stop before we even take the first step. Like, yeah, what yeah. is it that you think you've been able to do to get you to where you are today? Yeah. I, so I think it really comes down, it comes down to the same answer that I give when people ask, I read it, I write a daily email and I write every single day and I'm always asked by people, how is it that I do that? How is it that I just like, bang out this, you know, this, this content every single day. And I always come back to the same, the same idea, which is I give myself permission to suck. And the thing is like, I recognize that there's absolutely no way that I can be consistent and brilliant. There are going to be days where things come out that I'm really excited about and that really work. There are going to be days where I write something that I'm not excited about that I don't think really works. Um, and in some cases I'm right. And in some cases I'm wrong. There are instances where I'll write something and not be very excited about it, but my audience is right. And they find, you know, all these different types of things. So I think ultimately, you know, if we, if we bring it back to this aspect of going after your dreams and going after the things, the things that you want, you've got to have that dynamic of giving yourself permission to suck, understanding that whatever that first leap is, the odds of that first leap ending in you having some like monumental success are very, 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 very slim. Like it's not, it, it, it is not very common for somebody to jump from maybe uh, 
a job that they currently have, go into this world of entrepreneurship, and then just instantly, you know, uh, soar, right? Um, and I would even argue that if you are in a position where you have something like that happen, it causes even more problems down the line because you start to expect, you know, that to, you know, that to always happen and for things to always work out. So I think it's better to approach, and I think I've gotten far more done in my life by basically approaching it from the standpoint of, I am going to try whatever this thing is, and I am going to learn no matter what the outcome, you know? So if it's, if it's successful, I'm going to learn about what works. Um, and I'm going to be able to develop frameworks around that. I'm going to be able to develop things that I can repeat. And if it fails, if it goes completely awful, I'm going to learn about what doesn't work and I'm going to be able to see the patterns and the anti-frameworks, the things that I need to stay away from that uh, I will be thinking about for the future. Do you feel like in that consistency is kind of the overarching theme of success? Yes, 100%. Because... The more that you do something, the more data it creates. The more data you create, the more you can see patterns. Once you see patterns, then you can build frameworks for yourself. And you can start to figure out, okay, this is something that I see over and over and over again. So I know that if I follow this particular path, in most cases, the outcome is going to be similar to the prior 72 you know, uh, outcomes or whatever the scenario is. But if you've only tried something two or three times, that's not a lot of data. That's not a lot of information about what is and is not working. And when I used to work in Broadway, people would always ask me about raising money and they would come to me and they'd be like, oh, I haven't been able to raise it. And I'd always ask them, well, how many people have you reached out to? And they were like, well, I've got this one friend who's an investor and I talked to this other person and, you know, two or three people. And it's like, well, of course it's not going to work because you have no data there. You have no sense of like what works and what doesn't. If you're doing something every single day, if you have a level of consistency, if you're always doing that outreach, you are going to start to notice like what is working and what's not. And it's going to be significantly more effective. What do you think is like the catalyst for being willing to go through that process? Because I, I, I hear what you're saying, and I think most people can resonate with that and they'll sit with it, Michael, and they'll go, yeah, that makes sense to me. But the mm -hmm. application, the follow through doesn't come. Is that something yeah. where you've, you've got to be like, thoughtful on the why on the hat like like what is it that's the catalyst to really push people into taking the risk of consistency yeah i i think it ultimately comes down to you do have to have a, a clear sense of what it is that you want at the end of it so you're probably not going to be consistent if you have nothing that you're actually working towards right and, and the thing is, we are always much more engaged and much more excited when we're working towards something. And when we're kind of in that place of moving towards a particular goal or a particular outcome, 
that gives us energy and it gives us the ability to be like, yes, I'm going to be consistent because this outcome is something that really matters to me. So you first have to have that. You have to know like, what is that outcome that you're striving towards? And then I think, you know, in order to stay, in order to stay with it, it's about really creating an environment that supports the consistency. I think that a lot of the time we fail when it comes to having something be consistent because we never create an environment that supports that consistency. We, we never sit down and decide, okay, this is when this thing happens every day, if we're going to do it every day, or if we're going to do it three times a week, these are the actual days that this will, you know, that this will happen. And we make those decisions. And after a while, it does start to feel more like a habit. It starts to feel more like, okay, yep, this is what I do today. Like, this is how, you know, this is how it goes. You're always going to have a problem with the on-ramp of that. Like the very beginning phases of any process that you haven't been doing before, it's going to be a challenge to, you know, get into it. But once you've really structured the environment and made it so that you know this is when this thing happens and you commit to it multiple times, after a while, it's going to just feel natural. I mean, when I started writing daily, it wasn't like I was like, yep, I'm totally fine. Like, I've got this. You know, it was, it was okay. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to write at this time every day and we'll see kind of how it goes. Right. And it wasn't until I had been doing it for a while that it eventually reached a point where I was like, oh yeah, I, you know, I'm not even thinking about this anymore. Out of curiosity, when you started that process, were, was there any stopping in there where you had to actually restart? With that, uh, there was not. Um, that the writing process, I never had a moment where I, um, where I didn't do it every, every day. Like I, I, it was just always kind of part, uh, part of it. I certainly had moments where I was worried about what to write, or I felt like I had no ideas or, you know, I felt sort of tapped out. Uh, I certainly had a lot of those moments. Uh, but I think again, because I sort of approached it from this angle of I'm giving myself permission to suck, I didn't even care. You know, I was just like, okay, this is, you know, th this is what it is this is what it's going going to be um and then there's another thing that i find has always worked really well for me there's this idea of the minimum viable product but i look at like what is the minimum viable action right so what is the thing that i can do that will start that journey so if i like oh man i don't think i can i don't think i can come up with anything okay i'm gonna open up the computer and I'm going to go to the page where I'm going to write. You know, I'm going to write one sentence right now. I'm going to write a, you know, a headline. I'm going to write, I'm going to just write random stuff that doesn't even make any sense. I'm just going to free write. Whatever it is, I, I'll do something that moves me in the direction of that thing that I need to do. And I just find that when I, anything that I'm struggling with, anything that I'm dealing with, if I say like, okay, what is the minimum viable action? And I, at the very least do that, I almost always am able to sort of move forward and do, uh, you know, that, that particular, that particular thing. Are there, are there instances where, 
you know, that minimum viable action doesn't lead to anything. Of course, we all have days where we're just like, you know what, I'm tired. I'm not going to do, you know, I'm not going to do this, you know, whatever it is. Um, But for me, for the writing, I've never had a day where I was like, I'm just not going to do it. Do you think you said a word a few minutes ago that I think is really important that I'd like to circle back to? Mm -hmm. You said that you made a decision to do this. Yes. How important it is it how important is it to be decisive and to make decisions in building your life? I think it's incredibly important. I think that we get stuck more often than not because we don't make a decision. And the thing that we often forget about is that not making a decision is still a decision, <laughs> right? Uh, and and that's the thing. It's it's one of those elements. It, it reminds me of the classic sales scenario of like you want to get a yes or a no because maybe it will kill you, right? It's like you want to decide whatever it is that you're going to do. You want to make a decision because indecision will kill you, right? That's that's the thing. If you're in a state of indecision and you just never go and do something, you'll drive yourself nuts with all of the possibilities of what could be or what couldn't be. So it's better to just make the decision. It's better to just be like, okay, I'm I'm gonna do this or I'm gonna try this or I'm gonna you know go in this in this direction because standing still is is the most painful thing. And and for a lot of entrepreneurs that's where I think a lot of things fall apart. When you are just standing still in that indecision, it basically will rob you of the things that you're trying to accomplish. And, you know, one of the things that I think about here is, is what you do, right? You, you help mm-hmm. thoughtful givers become thought leaders. And I, mm-hmm. I think all of everything we've just gone through, it feels very practical to get to that place. Mm-hmm. I feel like there are a tremendous number of people who are like, I want to be empowering. I want to be impactful. I, I want to be a giver. I want to be a leader. And often they just do not have a starting point. And yes. like my starting point was kind of really stumbling into it because by being a writer first, the other things followed, you know, including, you know, being an award-winning speaker and best-selling author, like that stuff followed on the backside of just, I'm going to write some blogs, right? Mm-hmm. For folks who are in this place where like, I feel a call all the time. People ask me, how do I, how do I leverage this experience? How do I tap into my calling? How do I do that thing? And, and mm-hmm. often I'm just like, you just got to go do the thing. And so my yeah. thing really curious about is what are your thoughts? What are, what are the first steps for people who are like, I want to be a leader? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think if you want to be a thought leader, the, the thing that you have to do is you have to create leading thoughts and you're not going to know which thoughts are going to lead if those thoughts are never shared publicly. So whatever ideas you have, whatever concepts you have, if you do not put those concepts out into the market, you are not going to know how impactful they actually are. And you may have conversations with people and they may be like, wow, that was amazing. That idea, that concept changed my life. But that is one person and that is one data point. So... If you really want 
to move in that direction where you are stress testing the ideas that you have and figuring out if you have leading thoughts, you have to share those ideas publicly. And whether that be that you decide that you're going to write a, a blog or that you're going to just write on one of the social media channels, or you're going to record a video of you talking about a concept or an idea that you have, you've got to do it because you have to see whether or not it's resonating with an actual audience, whether or not people are responding to the idea and to the concept. And the thing that I always look for, if I am trying to figure out, okay, which thing is really landing, which thing is really working, I always look for unprovoked response. Hey, Unbroken Nation, we'll be right back to the show, but I wanted to let you know that you can grab a copy of my first book, Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma, for free. If you go to book.thinkunbroken.com, you can download the PDF ebook version of the book and get everything that I know about the baseline of healing trauma for free downloaded to your email right now. Just go to book.thinkunbroken.com to download your copy of Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma for a PDF for your phone. Again, that is book.thinkunbroken.com. I look for instances where I'm not asking somebody to comment on the video or comment on the post or tell me what they think. I look for instances where if I share an idea, people write back and say, oh my God, this is, this is amazing. This is really making me think. I never thought about this this way. Whatever the scenario is, and that tells me that there's a lot more to mine there. There's a lot more that I can develop and build out all of those different types of things. So I would say if that is the goal for, for someone, if your goal is to move into that thought leadership space and you have not yet tested at least one of your ideas in the market, that is your first step. When someone has the, okay, let, let's go through this, Michael. Let's be practical about yeah. it, right? So, so they go through yep. it. They're like, okay, I'm, I'm willing to do this, but mm -hmm. it's not perfect yet. Mm. Yep. What do you do? Because I, I know for certain, man, there are people who are like, man, I, I got the website. I, I started doing all the things. I spent all this money. I invested, blah, 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 you know, and, and they're right there. It's time to mm -hmm. pull the trigger. And this doesn't even necessarily only apply to stepping into being a leader, but I think for a lot of things in life. They're like yeah. at the precipice of what's next and, and they don't do it. They'll listen to this yep. podcast 97 times and they won't do it. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I call this polishing the car, but never driving it. And there are lots and lots and lots of people who polish the car, but never driving, drive it. And, and the reason behind it is expectation. So if you have an expectation that you put on yourself and if that expectation is built around something being perfect, something being ready, it will slow down or stop your process entirely. So the thing that you have to just address at the very beginning of a process like that is you have to just take a second to be like, okay, this is the ideal outcome that I would want from this, or this is the, this is the thing that I would love to, 
to see this become, but it's never going to be what it's going to be in my head. And when I was in theater, that was one of the things I, I had to deal with as a playwright. If I wrote a play, I could see those characters in my head. I could see exactly what the play should look like in my head. But in order to actually get the play up and choose a director and choose the actors, I had to accept the fact that the actors would not look like the people that I saw in my head. They would be close, but they wouldn't be exact copies. And the set wouldn't look like it would look in my head. It would be close, but it wouldn't be exact copies. And the way that everything was actually executed would not look like it was in my head because there would be variations. There would be things that I wasn't seeing or that, that I wasn't noticing. And if I didn't make peace with that, I would drive everybody on that team nuts because I'd be like, nope, it has to look like this. It has to look what it you know, needs to look like in my head. And I think that's the issue. I think, I think when people don't do something, when they get into that polishing the car but never driving it scenario, it's because they have created an image in their head of what that success or what that perfect thing sort of looks like. And they're in love with the perfect thing that they can see in their head. Because the thing is, while it's in your head, while it's not done, while it's not out there, it's allowed to be perfect. There is no criticism. There's nothing that can happen. When it goes out into the world, criticism will happen. People will decide if it is what you think it is. There will be moments where it will not resonate in the same way, where it won't work in the same way. So that is certainly not nearly as safe as sitting there and imagining all of the things that something could be. You know, every day when I sit down with my journal and my cup of coffee, the first thing I write every day is face fear because mm -hmm. there is a 0% chance that I'm going to change the world without putting my ideas into it. And I have stumbled, I have fallen, I've been embarrassed, I've been criticized, I've had people destroy my writing and my videos and my podcast and the whole nine. But I also think about this, for the people that I'm meant to serve, they're here for it. And that's how mm -hmm. I show up in the world. But I think people get caught up, especially right now, in this idea that you know, being an influencer is everything. It's life. It's what it's about. It's like, you know, rags to riches stories. Some guy on TikTok made some videos and suddenly boom. And I think people have a, a misunderstanding about what that is. What do people get, get wrong about this idea of influence today? Yeah. So when we think of influence, we're always thinking about it from the angle of how do I influence others? right? We're thinking about how am I going to get people to do the things that I want them to do? And true influence is when people are willing to do something without you asking them to. And the only way that you're going to get people to do something without you asking them to is if it does something for them. So the mistake that I see thousands of people make when it comes to the idea of influence and being an influencer is that they're spending all of their time trying to figure out how do they make themselves look cool when what they really need to be doing is asking 
how do my ideas, how do the things that I'm sharing, how do the things that I'm putting out there make other people look cool when they share it? How am I packaging this concept or this thing so that others will want to share it with their friends because it makes them look cool, because it makes them look smart, because it makes them look like a really great curator? When you do that, when you package things in such a way that other people want to share it because it benefits the people around them, you become significantly more influential. And that's the thing that most influence concepts just completely get wrong. There's this thought that we need to do all of these things to get people to do stuff for us. But really all we need to do is make something that makes other people look good and it will just come back to, it will just reflect back on us. I had my, my mentor share something with me one time that profoundly changed the way that not only I do business, but the way that I think about everything in the world. And he said to me, the moment you make your mission about you, you fail. And, mm -hmm. and that just hit me. So it might've been the right time. I don't know, but it, it just hit me in this way where I was like, man, that's so true. And, and I used to think about this idea of, you know, how do I make people remember me? How do I make this about me and blah, blah, blah. And, and I realized like, it just can't be, it doesn't work that way. Right. Yep. And, and yep. in that, when I became more of service, that really started to profoundly change the trajectory of my life. One of the things though I still think about, Michael, is like, how do you get people to remember you? Like, because I do think that matters because if they don't know yeah. you, right, they'll, they'll never subscribe to the podcast. They'll never read the newsletter. They'll never do those things. And yeah. I know that you have this concept around less, and I would love for you to dive into yeah. that. Sure, sure. Um, so yeah, so if you want people to remember you more, uh, you focus on less, and that is uh, language, emotion, simplicity, and structure. So the first is language. One of the core reasons why we all know who Shakespeare is and only a handful of people in English majors know who Christopher Marlowe is, even though they were writing at the same time, is that Shakespeare added new words to the English language. If we go into the dictionary, there are words that are there that were not there before Shakespeare. And when we create our own language for things, we're carving out a little piece of mental real estate. People remember the fact that we had a certain phrase that we used, or we sort of put those words together in a certain way, and then they refer back to us. So one of the things that can really just always get you to a place where people are remembering you and sharing your ideas and sharing your concepts is if you come up with your own language, if you come up with your own words for things or your own ways of describing things that people hear and they say, oh, okay, now I completely understand, you know, I understand this concept. And if you're the person who helped them understand that concept, they're gonna share that word or they're gonna share that, the way that you've structured that idea with others. So it creates that little uh, element of, like I said, a, a piece of mental real estate. So if you are doing that, another way that you can intensify how much people remember is by tapping into emotion because emotion solidifies memory. So if I said to somebody, 
tell me what you were doing five days ago at 8.45 a.m. Most people cannot give you a very detailed description of that, of that scenario. But if I said to choose what you would consider to be the absolute worst moment of your life and give me the details of that moment, most people could give me those details because our emotions basically solidify these memories. When we're in a heightened state of emotions, our, our, our brain becomes like a sponge and we absorb all of the content, all of the ideas, all of the things. So if we are tapping into emotion when we're having a discussion, people will remember the material more. And this is why you see lots of talks and presentations that often open with some kind of emotional story. And whether that be that they're getting the audience to cry or whether they're getting the audience to laugh hysterically, there is this heightened moment. And that heightened moment creates that experience where basically the brain becomes like a sponge and it starts absorbing that information faster. So the thing is, if you've got the language and you've tapped into the emotion, the next hurdle that you're dealing with from a memory standpoint is how does the brain hold on to the things that you have to share? And that's where simplicity comes into play. And the challenge that we face is that all of our lives, we have been taught that complexity is good. So all throughout our lives in, in academics, we're taught that if we use the biggest words, if we write the biggest papers, if we sound smart, then we will be successful. But our memories reward simplicity because our memory can only hold so much information at one point in time. So if you said to me to go to the grocery store and you basically say, I need these four things, my memory can usually handle that. I almost, I, I, it's very rare that I'm gonna have to write down those four things. But if you say, I want you to go to the grocery store and here are 37 things I want you to get, you're not getting your groceries unless I write down those 37 things because my brain will not be able to handle all of that information. So if we want people to remember something, we have to make sure that we boil it down to a point of simplicity, that they're able to carry that information with them and not feel completely overwhelmed by that information. And that ties to the last piece, which is structure, because our brains need structure in order to process the information. We need to know what order this information goes in. So if we don't give people a structure, if we don't give them a system, a way to know this thing comes first, this thing comes second, this thing comes third, or an image that helps them sort of solidify the concept that we're talking about, they're less likely to remember it. There is a reason why jokes have been around as long as they have, because jokes have a structure that never changes. And all we need to do is plug in to that structure. 
This is why we carry them over and over and over again, because there is a structure that helps our brain process and sort of order that information. So if you want people to remember you more, you focus on less. And if there are people listening, they are much more likely to remember this concept of language, emotion, simplicity, and structure because I gave them the structure of less. Yeah, that's really fascinating. And I, so much of what I hear of that is just really breaking it down again to your your earlier statement about this minimal viable product, right? Mm -hmm. I think we we often convolute everything mm -hmm. <laughs> as human beings, you know, and that's why I, I love what you said about decision making because there there's so much space in just going for it, just being like, this is what I'm gonna do. This is what I have to. This is what I'm going to set myself up for. And and when you do that, it's amazing to watch how your life changes. What do you think as we start to tell off here, when you're in this yeah. position, let, let's say people are going through this process, they're doing the things and they're like, I want to, I want to be a leader. How do you, mm -hmm. how do you define a, a thought leader, Michael? Yeah. So you, you are a thought leader if you are getting people to think differently about the world. So if you are looking at the way that others are sort of presenting ideas and you are coming to the you're coming to the conversation with your own frameworks with your own models with your own way of thinking and you can get other people to think differently about something that's what moves you in the space of a thought leader there are lots of thought follow the leaders out there where what they do is they just parrot what everybody else is saying and they just kind of go and they try to be sort of randomly motivational. But the true thought leaders, they say something and your brain has to work differently. Your brain has to take the time to wrap its, you know, itself around this concept that was just presented to you. There's the classic um, saying, I think it's an Earl Nightingale saying of a mind stretched uh, by a new idea can never retain its original shape. And it is so, so true. So when you take the time to develop ideas that cause people to rethink what they're doing, question their thinking process, look at how they're, how they're seeing the world, that's when you move into that space of being a true thought leader. Got it. And, and I love that. And that's, as I'm sitting here and you're saying that, I'm like, am I, am I really going hard enough? Right. <laughs> and that's mm -hmm. such a great moment to have here with you. Michael, before I ask you my last question, my friend, can you tell everyone where they can find you? Sure. Uh, my website is just uh, smallpondenterprises.com. Uh, and if anybody's curious about their referability, I have a tool uh, that's at myreferabilityrater.com where you can basically answer a series of questions and it will tell you how referable you are right now uh, in whatever it is that you're creating, whatever your brand currently is, it will give you a score that will help you understand this is where I am on the referability side. Love it. And of course, we will put those links in the show notes. Michael, it's been an absolute pleasure, my friend. My last question for you, 
is what does it mean to you to be unbroken? I think it, I think it comes down to this, this aspect of accepting, accepting everything about you. I think once, you know, once you're in that place where you take full responsibility for for both the things that you've succeeded with as well as the things that you've failed with and you really accept yourself as the whole person that's that's what i think that's what i think it means powerfully said my friend thank you so much for being here unbroken nation thank you so much for listening please like subscribe comment share with a friend and until next time my friends be unbroken. I'll see ya. Thank you so much for listening to Think Unbroken. Please share this episode with someone who could use it and help us move forward in our mission of ending generational trauma in our lifetime. And if you would, please take five seconds to pop on iTunes or Spotify, hit that five star, leave a review. And you can also reach out to us on social at Michael Unbroken or at Think Unbroken. And of course, you can check out our YouTube channel at think unbroken. Thank you for being a part of Unbroken Nation, my friends, and until next time, be unbroken. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show. But I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a wait list for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program.